The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Parenthood. Your life does not end here. Hi, I'm Chriselle Lim, mother of two. And I'm Sarah Son, also a mother of two. We are longtime friends and now mothers. This is Being Bumo, a podcast about all things parenting. We want to have honest conversations about motherhood so we can each define it for ourselves. We're here to build our village and we hope that you join us. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Being Bumo. This is Sarah. Chris is on her way back from all her travels. So Chris, just wishing you safe travels back home, you guys. So I was talking to other sixth grade moms. You guys know I have a sixth grade son, fourth grade daughter. And we are talking about phones and social media and like who's on it and what are kids up to these days. And if you know that I'm on the slower side for everything, I am not an early adopter of anything. I am the last adopter and I am okay with that. But you know, as in sixth grade, at least in our world, it's definitely a conversation that comes up a lot. And I was talking to a fellow sixth grade mom and she directed me to Mark Berkman and he is on the pod today. Mark is a husband, father, lawyer, and now CEO of the Organization of Social Media Safety. And they are doing incredible work to educate and advocate for our kids and our families in the social media space and the gaming space. Here's our conversation. Hi, Mark. Hello. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. We want to dive into this conversation with social media and teens after we kind of understand the work that you guys are doing with organization. And I kind of wanted to break up the interview into maybe speaking to parents who are not doing the social media thing yet, like parents who still have elementary age children and kind of prompt them, kind of give them a preview of, of, of what's going on, what the landscape looks like, and then maybe switch gears a little bit and talk to the parents who have middle school and high school kids who have social media and then kind of talk to them about, you know, what is more appropriate to that conversation. Is that okay? I love that. It's actually how we prefer oh, how to you go do it? through okay, this too. Perfect. So that's perfect. It's much easier to set the groundwork as opposed to trying to work backwards. Yeah, or just ask questions that kind of pertain to different parents and families. So with that, would you kind of start us off with giving us an overview of what you're seeing, what you guys are seeing is is happening in the families and and what they're like elementary aged families, like what are they thinking about social media and what are they, what are some of their concerns and what are they, what should they be thinking about? Of course. So it, it's actually a very important distinction there because that's two different questions. What, what we're seeing in terms mm-hmm. of harms that are impacting children and what families are expecting uh, or seeing themselves. So, okay. Uh, I guess I, the reason why I was asking is because I'm in that category. I have a fourth grader and a sixth grader. We do not have phones yet. We do not have social media yet. But because there's so much chatter around this, especially as a sixth grade mom, I'm trying to understand, like, how should I be thinking about this right now? Yeah, a- exactly what you should be doing, because it's about to hit in a big way. So it's <laughs> yeah. it's great that you've held off. Yeah. For this long, uh, what we are seeing across the country is a lot of families have not. There's a lot of 
I see. younger children on social media, even though a lot of the platforms will explicitly say that they don't allow children under 13 on like TikTok and Snapchat. But we well know that we're seeing a lot of second, third, fourth and fifth graders on those platforms, even though there's a ton of dangers and risks when okay. they choose to use them. Okay. So, and I think a, a good starting point as well is to define what we mean when we say social media. Okay. So to us, that's any website or app where you can publicly exchange information with another user uh, in a public way. So it's a little different than a straight texting or, or a messaging app. So that includes your classic social media platforms like Instagram and, and Facebook and, and now TikTok. None of your kids are on Facebook anymore. <laughs> uh, but it also includes gaming platforms yes, as well. Right. So any gaming site where there's a public chat feature yeah. or an ability to share with other users, that is social media. Mm-hmm. And of course, our, our video platforms as well. So YouTube and some others, those are all social media. Right. Those all have associated risks and dangers. The way that we operate is to really try to identify and study each individual social media related danger and that's that's how oh. we teach as well and so the dangers that are in, impacting families are, are broad okay. and so we have the more well-known dangers like cyberbullying uh, we're finding about 40 percent of students uh, across the country but also specifically in los angeles as well we're we're having this conversation yeah about 40 percent of students and and we start that research in about the fifth grade. Um, so about 40, 30 to 40% of fifth graders are self-reporting cyberbullying. So that's already a fairly common issue. Can you give us an understanding and your definition of cyberbullying? The traditional academic definition is uh, repeated harassment, uh, generally by a peer, and there's generally some sort of power dynamic involved in that. So mm-hmm. a peer coming from a more powerful uh, relationship is harassing someone else repeatedly. We don't think it needs to be that strict in terms of the definition because uh, social media has changed the dynamics a bit. And so really will include any type of harassment there. And part of what we teach as well is what that actually looks like in the world of social media, because a lot of kids now will be able to say that and know immediately that cyberbullying equals bad. Yeah but they won't necessarily equate some of their behaviors on social media that are harassment with being cyberbullying. Can you give us some examples? Sure. So particularly with the younger set, we see a lot of uh, what we would call exclusion type of harassment on gaming platforms like Fortnite. So uh, one peer will join, a child will join a group, and they'll just exclude him or her in the game. Mm -hmm. And so that's a form one of the more serious forms that we see, especially as children get older, is revealing private information or outing or doxing. Mm. So sharing private pictures or videos or sharing secrets uh, and creating rumors. That's a really common form of cyberbullying that has some of the, the worst outcomes associated yeah. with it. Mm. And by that, I mean suicide as well included mm. in that. Yeah. Wow, I, I that's also that's why I, I I try to stay away from it. So then, when you're saying fifth graders, can you can you clarify that? So like fifth graders, you're seeing more fifth graders 
have now iPhones and are participating in a social media platform, whether that's the gaming or Snapchat or whatever. Why do you think that's happening? Like, I like I don't understand sort of sometimes the parent psychology with that. It's an excellent question. There, let's just start by saying that that our goal is not to uh, cause any guilt among parents. Yeah, we want to educate. We want to maximize safety. The problem that parents are facing across the country and across demographics as well. So. Rural, urban, low resource, wealthier families. Uh, what happens is a child, these are, this is social media and it's a social medium. Right. So these platforms are how children are really conducting their friendships, growing their friendships, communicating. And so what happens is that when one child joins a platform like Snapchat or TikTok, even when it's clear that it's too risky for them right. by the platform's own right. words right. Uh, and, and judgment. One of those children, two of those children in a grade in third grade say join the platform. Pretty soon you have most of the grade on yeah. because, again, that's how they're conversing. All the other children see that. And then the parents have what we call this this really big lose-lose decision to make. Yeah. Do I want to maximize safety for my child? And if I do, they're going to face, a, and we have to be honest about this, a very real social detriment. If they're the only child in that class not on these platforms, they really are missing out in a social way. Now, we would argue strongly that that the safety trade-off is in favor of, of holding off, especially, right. I just said third grade, I think, in that example. Yeah, yeah. So especially around third grade. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's a really difficult decision for parents. And a lot of parents who also don't understand the full range of risk, to be clear, yeah. are choosing to allow their children onto these platforms. Let's talk about those risks. There's a lot. Could yeah. take up our entire time. Okay, but the that's good. Scare all of us. Please scare us. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and to be clear, people, after we teach parents, there there is kind of an increased level of fear, but that's not the goal. We're not trying to teach by It's my fear. goal. It's, it's my <laughs> goal. <laughs> it's not I'll your goal. It. It's my as goal. As long as it helps uh, protect some families, I'm, I'm in. But okay. Um, okay, then, you know, educate us. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about cyberbullying. That's a big yeah. one. Now, there's the mental health impacts of social media use, which includes habitual use. There's some research that shows that using social media over five hours a day is increased with uh, has increased levels of depression and even suicidal thoughts and actions among teens. Now, these are a handful of studies in the mental health area. I should be clear, is still evolving in terms of the research, but there is research out there. So there's depression, suicide eating disorders, anxiety, decreased sleep, academic, negative academic outcomes. So that's in the mental health umbrella. There's human trafficking uh, and child sex crimes and predation. Okay, we are scared now. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of those crimes now have a very clear connection to social media. The research in that area, I would say, is poor because of the nature of that danger. And it's hard to research. But a lot of them are connected to social media use. There is fraud in a big way. A lot of people don't think about fraud uh, or they'll Mm -hmm. associate social media use and fraud with seniors. Teens are a big growing area of victims when it comes to fraud. There's sexual harassment. There is misinformation issues. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure hate speech is a very big one. We are finding that starting in the fifth grade, 
uh, and is not necessarily necessarily nationally representative, but in the work that we've done with schools across the country, about 85% of fifth graders are seeing explicit hate speech on a regular basis through social media. That is a new and growing danger and risk that our kids are facing. It's becoming normalized as well. And that's the full range of hate speech. So racial hate speech, uh, LGBTQ-based hate speech, misogyny in a big way. They're seeing that on a repeated basis. The research has not even caught up yet to the outcomes of that. It's one of the things that we're actually looking into in our research partnership with UCLA. Mm -hmm. So that that's a big one I would emphasize. And then the danger that we actually began because of, which we have labeled and termed social media motivated violence. Mm -hmm. And those are attacks perpetrated with the intent to film and put on social media to get those likes, those shares and the those views. That's the reason that we began. We are finding it's about 80 percent starting in the fifth grade as well of children seeing explicit real violence Mm -hmm. on social media on a regular basis. They're again becoming normalized. We'll see in schools across the country that um, these attacks are actually uh, committed while children are filming and, and putting it on social media, which is a really vicious cycle. That's a brief incomplete list. There there is more. Uh, pornography as well, which I didn't talk about in sexting. I know I could keep going, unfortunately, but sexting, we're finding about 40% of sixth graders have sent or received a sext. And again, that's in the sixth grade. So if you don't think your child is aware of what that is in the sixth grade, they probably do know what that is. And there is a good chance that, that they're participating in that activity. So Great. now that I've scared you, Great. <laughs> we can, Great. Uh, I am now going to call my sixth grader. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a lot, Mark. Like, it's overwhelming. As parents, I feel like we're standing against this giant. There's this thing, like you said earlier, like, oh, everyone's doing it, so maybe I I, I do it. But is what do you think of this concept of parents who think, not my kid. My kid's fine. He's a good kid. He gets good grades. He's responsible. He, he does these things like... I guess I'm trying to understand, too, like, as parents, why we we don't say no to social media. And I don't know if you have some insight to that. And then like, as parents are now facing this, sort of this this giant in front of them, like, what do you say to them? So there's a few reasons that parents are permissive. And I talked about that, that lose-lose situation, yeah. which is very real. And we have a lot of empathy for that. My oldest is is in the fifth grade. So I'm right there with parents in in making these decisions. So I have empathy in terms of the trade-off that parents face. I also think we need a lot more education when it comes to social media safety. It's part of what we're working on across the country and globally. The risks that I just laid out are not generally well-known among parents and certainly how those risks work and operate within the world of social media. And then I I would break those categories down in two ways as well. When, when parents are thinking about them without our education, when they're thinking about them across the country uh, on a daily basis with these issues. So we, br- and, and you asked about parents saying, not my child, not my yeah. child. So we have our serious worst case outcomes and those admittedly are still rare. Yeah. But I would point out to parents that in those cases, and I get these calls probably once a week from parents. So I'm working with a family right now who had a 15-year-old who uh, unfortunately died by suicide because of cyberbullying. 
over Snapchat. No previous indications of mental health issues that they were aware of. These these really come out of the blue, these tragedies. Yeah. And, and children tend to hide the issues that they're dealing with when mm-hmm. it comes to social media. Mm-hmm. One of our board members, Dr. Laura Berman, her mm-hmm. son Sammy purchased what he thought was Xanax or Percocet from a drug dealer on Snapchat. I didn't mention substance abuse, but substance abuse is a big, mm-hmm. growing social media-related danger. Children are accessing drugs very easily over uh, social media. It gets delivered to their house like a pizza. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that ability is coming into play now while fentanyl is also being used to taint these drugs. So he ordered that drug, uh, what he thought was Xanax, and it happened to be fentanyl, and he passed away from an overdose. I get those calls regularly as well. Sammy was a straight-A student Mm -hmm. here in Los Angeles. No indication that that was going to happen. And so all of these parents that are experiencing these tragedies said, not my child. Those are the worst-case scenarios, and it still is a tendency of being a human to put put those tragedies aside and yeah. say that they're lower risk, right. not going to have my child understand right. that. But there, there are all of these slower burn harms that are impacting a majority of mm-hmm. youth, that, a lot of them that I just listed. Right. Cyberbullying is a big issue impacting almost half of our, our children. Yeah. The mental health impacts, a lot of those issues are above 50% for our children. So it's harder to be aware of these slow burns. They happen every day. We don't necessarily see a major worst case scenario in that, mm-hmm. but it has a lifelong, potentially a lifelong negative impact, or at least a negative impact over the duration of your child's development and childhood. And so parents really need to be aware of that. And, and that's an issue of awareness, and, and mm-hmm. it's on us to increase the public awareness there. Yeah. I am so excited for the holiday season because I am the family planner. I plan like where everybody's going for the holidays and we will um, get to see our family this year a lot because they are all over. Like I have family in Guatemala and the East Coast and Korea. So I'm excited for that. I'm also having to find holiday gifts for my family. And so if you need help finding holiday gifts for kids and gifts the kids will actually like, KiwiCo is here to help you give more than just gifts. They're here to show you how to give awesome. KiwiCo knows a thing or two about delivering moments of awesome. From robots to rocket ships, all their projects are designed to spark fun and excitement for kids of all ages. KiwiCo delivers super cool science, technology, and art projects for kids. From nine different subscription lines for different ages and categories, there's something for every kid. KiwiCo is totally kid approved. In fact, even before crates are shipped to kids around the world, they're tested by a crew of real kid testers to ensure that one is age appropriate and seriously fun. KiwiCo cultivates your child's natural creativity and curiosity with hands-on projects every month. They get to explore new worlds and rediscover familiar ones, even without leaving your home. These are great to have during the holiday season. From discovering the science of magic to engineering a domino machine and more. And we have done this domino machine one. It's really fun. So give awesome this holiday with KiwiCo. Get your first month free on any crate line at kiwico.com slash B-U-M-O. 
Hi, I'm Pia Barangini, the creative director of LPA, an entrepreneur, a wife, and a dog mom based in Los Angeles. This is my new podcast, Everything is the Best, where we basically ask interesting people, how did you go from zero to yacht? I'm always curious how the hell people became successful, and I figured you would be too. Get on the internet with me. Let's laugh, let's cry, let's overshare, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Check out new episodes every Wednesday. It's all for you, baby. Thanks for listening. Love you, mean it. I guess actually when I first started the interview, I was thinking that kids were not really on socials for, it's funny, like in my world, in my personal bubble, like most of us have talked about waiting until at least till eighth grade. You're telling me now fifth grade. And I am seeing like, there's always like one or two kids in every class that maybe have it like earlier. But now you're telling me those numbers are much higher than I, that I was aware of actually. And so then let's speak to those parents, right? The parents whose kids are on social media for, you know, whatever reasons. And then like, how can they protect themselves, protect their children? What are some of the things that you have for us? Excellent question. Thank you for asking (laughs) it, because I think this is incredibly important uh, for your listeners. What we found when we started creating our curriculum for specifically for parents a few years ago, was that we were all rightfully confused as to what to do to protect our children. We didn't grow up with social media, so this is new for every parent still. And we found that, that parents didn't have a clear system for how to protect their children. So it would be the parent rumor mill and we'd get one-off tips there. We'd go to the internet and maybe research thing and research things and, and pull off a tip there or yeah. go to a talk and get this collection of scatter tips. And what we found was that parents really needed a comprehensive system to protect their children. When you take a flight, your pilot has a pre-flight yeah, checklist, manual or, yeah, right? Yeah. Or at least you hope they do. (laughs) And that's organized by experts based on research and experience ahead of time. And so they go through the checklist before Mm -hmm. you take the flight. And that's how we have a safe flight. We found parents really need the same thing. And so we developed a comprehensive system. And and you can go to our website. I I assume it'll be in the the show notes. Socialmediasafety.org. And we have a free course for parents. There are three categories of interventions that we want all parents to think about when when your children enter the world of social media. And that's what conversations, social media safety conversations to have with the goal of raising awareness about these dangers. Your children are not aware of these dangers. Okay, so talk to the kids about the things. Talk to the kids about the dangers because you cannot avoid or most safely respond to the dangers unless you know what they are ahead of time. Also, in that process, it's instilling the values as well. So understanding that cyberbullying is not compatible with your family's values Mm -hmm. or your community's values Hate speech is not compatible with your family's values. They're going to be seeing hate speech if they don't understand that it's a bad thing. That's a problem. Sexual harassment is a big one as well. We see uh, children all the time, teens swipe by sexual harassment or continue to absorb it without realizing that it's bad. And so having that conversation about what it is, what it can look like so they can identify it, saying it's not consistent with our values. And then going into what they can do and how to respond when they come across these dangers. So those conversations are hugely important. They stay important from the time your child enters social media till they leave your home. The other two categories are social media safety rules. And those are intentionally different than the conversations. 
So the conversations you're discussing and defining and instilling values, the rules are the actions you want your child to take or not take every time that they use social media or come across a certain issue. A big one there, just to give an example, a big one there we call blocking and reporting. And so every time that your child comes across cyberbullying content or hate speech here, either cyberbullying or hate speech, and there's a long list actually of dangerous as this applies to, we want the child to block the user that's posting that on their account or messaging that to them through their account and report the content to the platform so that it can be taken down. Two important reasons there. One, we want to teach our children to be upstanders. So we're teaching that that this material is dangerous or offensive and harmful, but also, and often more importantly, because the platforms are not good about taking content down, we want them to develop the habits uh, that every time they see this content, they're actually physically repelling it. So we're mm-hmm. preventing what I talked about a little earlier, the normalization of the content in their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and specifically... Oh, I love that so much. That, that's, that's, that's a big difference. If they're looking at hate speech five, six hours a day, which a lot of them are doing, we want them to to actually take that physical mm-hmm. step each time. Yeah. For our cyberbullying victims, a lot of them will just passively absorb that it. content mm-hmm. over and over again instead of taking the step of blocking and reporting. So we actually want that to become a habit, something that they do almost automatically or automatically. So that's one of our rules, but there's there's a list of rules and we have a template for families on our website, again, to make this comprehensive and a, and a full checklist of those conversations as well. And then finally, what we call calibrate the settings. So optimizing the settings on your child's devices and apps for their, their given age or developmental level. Uh, and there's a lot of different settings that that you can adjust that that increases the safety level of of these apps when your children use them. Is there this whole thing where some parents are saying like their kids are smarter than them and they will take away all the the disabled, like all of the the security we build around them? Or is that not happening? It will happen eventually okay. if your child is so inclined, probably not until high school. Okay. So especially that fifth to eighth grade when they're just, and hopefully your fifth graders aren't on social media, but most of them are, but especially at fifth to grade, fifth to eighth grade level, these settings can be very, very impactful. Some of them are fairly hard to hack around. We do uh, recommend and endorse what we call a third-party safety software product uh, called Bark. And so that's a safety software that's not linked to the social media platforms themselves. And what software like Bark can do is give parents alerts when dangerous content comes across your child's social media account. And so we've seen it save lives over and over again. It is fairly difficult for a child to hack around uh, that we've seen, especially since it links directly to your child's accounts. Now, there are ways to do it, which... Not necessarily going to go over here, but uh, especially again for that fifth to eighth, fifth to ninth grade range, we we do recommend thinking about using that that product. One of the things that we're working on, and we haven't gotten into our, our advocacy work, but one yeah. of the things we're working on legislatively at the congressional level is to require all social media platforms to give parents the option to use third-party safety software because some of those mm-hmm. platforms have decided to to block that choice. Uh, and I'll, I'll let you all conclude as to why that might be. Yeah. 
but and it's really unfortunate and leaves our children at much greater risk. But that's one of the things we're working on legislatively. It's actually legislation called Sammy's Law, again named after Dr. Laura Berman's son. Can Sammy. you tell us more about Sammy's Law and what's the other uh, Jordan's Law? Jordan's. Jo- yes. Thank you. I was uh, going to say Judas, but it was. Yes, <laughs> Jordan's, Jordan's Law. law. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I'm sorry. I'm jumping subjects for no, you here. No, it's but... great. I just want to listen to all of your knowledge, to be honest. Of yes. course. So, yeah, I mean, so that's the big issue with the software. So we make that recommendation with Bark, and Bark has coverage across a lot of different platforms. But there are platforms like TikTok and Snapchat specifically that don't allow parents to use software like Bark. It's a huge gap in safety because we really do believe that Bark is an effective software. Uh, and by the way, Bark is coming out with a new phone as well, which is a very exciting development. We haven't had a chance to test that yet. So I can't say that we officially endorse it, but keep your eye out for that as yeah. well. So Sammy's Law, again, would require platforms just to give parents that choice. They basically have to just flip a switch and allow your child's data to flow into Bark. And it would be up to the individual parent to make that decision if they want to use one of those services. One of the exciting things about Sammy's Law as well is it would allow that whole industry to grow much quicker, to have different types of solutions for different types of children and families. We think that's essential if we want to continue to protect our children as social media evolves, because we really failed at keeping up when social media Uh, launched around 2004 to 2006, the dangers came much faster than we were prepared for. And a lot of families have have paid a very significant price on that. So we want to stay current with how these dangers are evolving. And that tech piece is a huge part of this. So that's Sammy's law. It should be introduced in Congress shortly. Uh, I remain optimistic about that. So fingers crossed there. If you go onto our website, you will be able to to and sign up for our newsletter. You'll be able to get updates on how that that legislation is progressing. Jordan's law is a great question because it actually has to do with how and why we were founded. So what happened? And this was 2016, so a few years back now. My co-founder Ed Peisner, his 14-year-old son at the time, Jordan, was attacked fairly viciously by another teen that he didn't know. While he was attacked, an associate of the attacker filmed it, put it on social media where it went viral. Now, having been viewed, I I would assume, by millions. I happened to have been a chief of staff in the California State Assembly at the time, and and this this video went viral so quickly. It was in my inbox within about two to three hours, I think, of the attack happening. Jordan, by the way, suffered a traumatic brain injury, some really lifelong injuries that he's still dealing with today. Unfortunately, he is alive and, and with us, which, of course, is is everything. Yeah. Um, but still, b- yeah. but still, he's still grappling with, with some of these issues. So Ed, his father, once once Jordan was was stabilized, reached out to our office. He really wanted to make sure that no other family had to endure such yeah. a horrific ordeal. And we got to to looking at this issue and we knew right when we saw it, we knew intuitively, as I think most people do and, and did at the time, that this wasn't an isolated incident. There were there were videos all across social media and the greater Internet of similar types of attacks. And we actually found 
that starting with the birth of social media again around 2006, you could find about four cases of what was then called the knockout game mm -hmm. that was broadcast or put up on Facebook and, and later Facebook Live. And that was usually teens walking up behind someone and hitting them as hard as they can to knock them out, put it on social media, and again, driven to get these likes, the shares, and the views. So from 2006 to then in 2016, we found that they were really d growing exponentially, almost doubling every single year to the point in 2016 where you could find thousands and thousands of these videos. There were websites just dedicated actually to hosting them. So it had become a very real problem and no one had put a, a label on this or classified it or worked legislatively or was educating on this issue or trying to stop it. And so we drafted legislation in California that came to be known as Jordan's Law mm. that basically uh, sets out to be a deterrent from what we now call social media motivated violence. So it makes clear that if you conspire with someone to commit a violent crime and, and film it, you are liable in that crime, just like the attacker. Mm. And there's an enhanced or a longer sentence attached to that as well as a deterrent. What we really did was we passed that to use it as a teaching tool across the country. Mm. Uh, and we found that's been very effective. We were able to pass that. That's just a California legislation, to be clear. We were able to pass that in less than a year uh, from the introduction, which is, which is really quick for a piece of legislation. I think everyone recognized the great need there. Yeah. That's incredible what you guys are doing. What are you guys working on currently? Is that something since that passes? What are you guys working on currently? Sammy's Law is really our big focus. We really feel like Sammy's Law is a game changer when mm -hmm. it comes to safety. It's really a necessity for Congress to pass. We're actually working on that globally as well. So that's our main focus. We do have other pieces of legislation. Another piece of legislation that just got introduced a few weeks ago is called the Chats Act. That basically is, is a very simple targeted bill that would require local law enforcement. Right now, when a, when a crime takes place, local law enforcement will report that data up to the National Department of Justice. And that's how we basically get our national crime data. And when a crime happens now in a location, we will report or, or law enforcement will report the physical address. And so we could see that in the national data. When a crime happens on the internet, they just check the box and say internet. Mm. That's, that is not kept up with the times, of course. So right. what we want to know is the specific URL or site that the crime happened on. And so we can be able to hold platforms accountable for crimes like trafficking and drug dealing and uh, predation and other issues uh, and basically look at the data and see what they're doing. Because right now, the platforms themselves have all the data and mm. we can't necessarily know, mm. uh, especially for a consumer protection organization like ourselves, we can't necessarily hold them accountable. And especially when they when they release some sort of uh, feature that they claim is a safety improvement, we can't see what's happened with it. So that's that's a big one. Uh, I'm optimistic on on that bill as well. <laughs> this this is so eye opening right now, Mark, because, you know, in a lot of us, I think, are not we're not even looking at this, right? We're not looking at the violence that's being done on purpose to put online. And, you know, we're so concerned about more of the little things that you were talking earlier, like they're not being included in the chats with their friends. And, you know, they're watching things that are just a little bit inappropriate. And just to see the bigger scope of what is happening on the internet is overwhelming, a little daunting, but it's great to know that there are people like you out there kind of, 
you know, fighting for protecting our children and our families. Thank you for doing that. That's incredible. Mark, can you tell us a little bit about, and again, I'm just reflecting on the things I'm seeing in my personal world. You know, a lot of kids doing a lot of playing games together, right? Like there's a friend that lives in a certain community, but they live very far away. And this is a way for them to, you know, spend time together and play together. Yet there is that chat kind of open-ended section of the games. Like what should parents be aware of in that, in that area? Of course. So first, a little good news, uh-huh. not, not to completely be on the doom and gloom side, but good news is there is some research out there that gaming in and of itself has some benefits for children uh, in terms of problem solving and in building intelligence, there is that research out there and people should be aware of that. So it's not just uh, a waste of time for yeah. your children if if that's the activity they choose to engage in. Yeah. Now, uh, in terms of the dangers, there's certainly also research out there that games can be addictive. So we have to watch the amount of time that our children are engaging in, in gaming uh, and keep an eye on that. And it's certainly these days, features are packed into these games to keep children on because, and this is mostly social media now, the more time your child is on a lot of these games, the more they're making money. A lot of them run on on ad revenue. So be aware of that. Now, as we talked about earlier, a lot of these gaming platforms have essentially become social media or have social media features in them where you can have a public chat or you can share uh, within that public chat files, videos, pictures as well. We see a lot of the typical social media related dangers impacting children that are using gaming. Uh, And that's combined with the fact that a lot of younger children are on these platforms. And so we see a lot of younger children on a platform like Roblox that has these social media features. Now on Roblox, you can shut the features down in a big way. They do have good safety controls. The problem is a lot of the games that children want to play are user created and generated. And so if you maximize the safety settings, your child only gets a choice of some of the games and they can see all the games they can't play, which is a a frustration we have with that. But with those social media features, again, We've seen predation and grooming happen Mm -hmm. on the platforms. We see hate speech frequently, uh, inappropriate, unsafe content, sexual harassment. So a lot of the dangers that we've already talked about, parents need to be aware. uh, They're happening and they're impacting young children, uh, especially. So second and third graders on these platforms are seeing these. And I talked about a cyberbullying example as well. So so parents need to be aware of, of these risks when their children are, are using gaming. We do include that in our definition of social media, again, to be clear. Yeah. Mark, can you talk to us about how COVID impacted this? Of course. So we saw, and this this was to be expected as soon as we were in the midst of COVID, that screen time increased a lot among adults and and children and a big part of that screen time among children and adults as well uh, (laughs) was social media use and so along with that increased time what we're seeing is increases in a lot of the risks and dangers associated with social media use and so cyberbullying is a little up. It depends which study you you look at that evidence is still coming in. Mental health impacts seem to be up. And again, that is harder to study. But seemingly uh, a lot of the concerns that we're seeing with mental health are rising as screen time rises. 
And a lot of these other issues that, that I've already mentioned, they all seem to be up after COVID. When we speak to schools across the country, they seem to be struggling with these issues in yeah. a big way. And so we're in a very big adjustment period. Of course, there were, I should add too, there are mental health impacts from COVID itself yeah. that we're, of course, still dealing with and will be dealing with in the foreseeable future, especially when it comes to our youth that's all wrapped into these concerns with mm -hmm. social media. So it's something to continue to keep an eye out for and continue to be vigilant on when it comes to our children using social media. Mm. And Mark, as we wrap this up, can you talk to our listeners and our the parent population, you know, whose kids are online? And I guess the concerns too is maybe right now there are just 30 minutes on it, but you know, that usage increases as time goes by and maybe give us a word of advice for families that, you know, we're seeing our kids on it and how we can protect and like have these open communications and conversations with them. Of course, first of all, if, if your child's on 30 minutes a day, it's probably a win as compared to what we see across the rest of the country. We see about four hours on average uh, around the, the sixth grade. So 30 minutes, you are most likely limiting a lot of these dangers with okay. that amount of time. So, okay. so keep an eye on the time is probably the first okay. bit of advice there. And then I would refer back to our conversation earlier with those three categories of interventions. You want to think about those conversations. You need to set rules if your children are going to be on social media. And you need to be aware of, of how to set the settings on your operating system and the apps that your children are using. And again, we Go through that all for free on our website. You can get our checklist as a start to your conversations. Uh, it's much easier, we find, when parents have that checklist in hand and they can just go through topics one by one. And even if you feel like you're not doing a great job at it, just sitting down and making the attempt and covering the topics goes a very long way towards increasing the safety for your child and potentially preventing some of these worst case scenarios from happening to, to your child. So I, I really recommend that. Okay, thank you so much, Mark, for spending this day with us and really opening our eyes to not the smaller dangers that we do deal with, like you said, the microbullying and, you know, kids feeling, you know, kids not feeling included in certain games, but really the the bigger picture of what we're really dealing with as parents, we ha we ourselves have to have these conversations and be in the know to better, you know, educate our children. So thank you for doing the legwork for us. Of course. Well, thank you so much for having me and highlighting this issue. It does so much good to be able to spread this information. So I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for listening. We want to keep this conversation going with you. So please leave us a DM on Instagram and make sure to follow us and subscribe to our podcast. And we would love it if you left us a review. Also, if you're in the Los Angeles area, make sure to visit us at Bumo Work at Westfield Century City Shopping Center. And if you're looking for educational-based content entertainment for your little ones, visit us at www.bumobrain.com or at Bumobrain on Instagram. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.